Welcome to the Social Pros Podcast, the content marketing awards winner for best marketing podcast. This is where we shine the spotlight on real people doing real work in social media and learn the social secrets of the world's most interesting brands. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, social media strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your social better. Emma, which provides innovative email marketing tools that drive brilliant results. Salesforce Marketing Cloud, inspiring one-to-one connections with your customers with integrated solutions for social, mobile, email, web, and advertising. And Yext, whose award-winning location management platform helps companies of all sizes drive more foot traffic to their doors. With Yext, update your location data once and publish it to your website, apps, over 100 publishers, including Google, Apple Maps, Facebook, Bing, and Yahoo. That's the power of location. That's Yext. Your Social Pros co-hosts are Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud and Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. Ready? Let's get to work. Welcome, everybody, to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined as per the usual by my special Texas friend, who I actually got to meet in person for the first time in last person. week, ladies and gentlemen. Adam Brown and I have done 44 episodes of this show together and had never laid eyes upon one another until a joyful, tearful, extraordinary meeting last week at the big Salesforce Connections Conference in Atlanta, where we recorded uh, last week's episode live uh, with Susan Etlinger from Altimeter Group. Adam, welcome to Social Pros. Jay, Jay, it was so great to see you. Uh, It was a special occasion. Uh, There was no couch jumping, but I think Oprah would have been very pleased with our uh, with our, our celebratory uh, event. You're right, 44. This is the 45th uh, episode we've done together, and it's so great to see you. And what a cran- fantastic keynote Jay gave at, uh, at Connections, and we just had a great time last week uh, with Susan Etlinger as well. We, and we're we going to have a good time some, this week, too. We shared some entirely mediocre chicken nachos, which was uh, extraordinary. That We'll always <laughs> have chicken nachos. Here, yeah. We'll always have chicken nachos. Uh, we have an extraordinary guest uh, today who, who I think has one of the most interesting jobs in social media, given the scope and scale and nature and history of her organization. Amy Lamparski joins us this week on Social Pro. She's the head of global social media at a little company called 3M, which makes pretty much all the things that you have in your office. So if you look around, about 92% of the things that you can touch are made somehow by 3M. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate it. That's an unofficial number, obviously, just uh, just from me. But I guess we should probably just just sort of set the stage here. We could do five hours on this, but but tell the social pros listeners just a little bit about the scope and scale uh, of 3M and, and the things that the organization does. Sure. Yes. Yeah, so 3M is truly a global business. We have about two thirds of our businesses outside the U.S., and um, we are also uh, much more than post-it notes and scotch tape, I will tell you. It is um, a very complex, diverse business and portfolio. We have a healthcare, industrial, safety and graphics business, as well as an electronics and energy business. And those businesses make up about 80% of our portfolio. The other 20% is the um, business that you're probably more familiar with, the consumer side of our world, which it does include uh, brands like Phil Treat and Scotch Bright and Post-it Notes. And because you have this 
extraordinary portfolio of products that that are related to one another mostly because of the innovation and technology that 3M is so uh, known for. How, as a social media practitioner, can you possibly do social media for for medical on one side, uh, you know, surgical mesh or something, and then scotch tape on the other side? It just it seems like an extraordinary challenge. Well, it is. It's also um, interesting because some of the some of the research that we have says the more people know about 3M, the more they like us and the more loyal they become over time. So what we're really focused on is is connecting the dots uh, across our B2B and B2C worlds and also working with um, a variety of different key regions around the world and um, getting folks to work together and really positioning the brand um, as consumers would want to and expect to experience it. So it's it's a lot of uh, working together and collaborating worldwide and driving uh, media efficiencies around the world. One of the things that I've I've seen you work on is LinkedIn. That that because you're so strong in B two B, that you actually put a, a serious amount of effort into LinkedIn. And in fact, I saw a post just the other day. I was just kind of thinking about, well, I wonder how this works for them. Uh, and it, you had a similar post on Twitter uh, and and almost the same post on LinkedIn. And, and on Twitter, you had 30 likes. And on LinkedIn, you had 956. That's a pretty staggering difference between the uptake in those two channels. I suspect that that is uh, strategic and, and uh, an imperative for you. It is. It is. We have a lot of our key business decision maker audience on LinkedIn. And we're able to target much more granularly there. So we, we do have a strategic partnership with LinkedIn. We um, buy media direct from them, and we're, in, we're working very closely. As, as we're starting to invest more in that channel, they're leaning in to 3M to help 3M ultimately leapfrog and get further faster as, as a brand and company. You have not just the accounts that, that you manage, sort of the, the, the global brand, you know, at 3M kind of accounts, but there are, for all big organizations like this that are around the world, lots and lots of other social accounts, right? Twitter accounts and Facebook accounts and LinkedIn accounts and everything else. Uh, how, how does that get managed? You have an internal center of excellence, some sort of best practices committee. Do people just kind of do their own thing? How do you kind of try and keep everybody uh, inside the same box of best practices inside such a big company? Yes, it's such a good question. Um, it's something that we're actively working on right now. And it's ultimately, it, it falls onto, um, I call it global architecture frameworks. And so what we've been um, challenged with is, you know, historically we had a very, very decentralized model across the company. And it was somewhat um, Wild West territory where, you know, a lot of people were focused on their portion of the business or, you know, their brand within a certain country or, um, or region. And what happened was it, it came together in a very fragmented way externally. And now where we're at is we're saying, you know, the customer doesn't care how we're organized internally. Really, the customer just wants um, the most seamless experience. And... And so what we're doing is we're actually massively consolidating the amount of channels that we have worldwide. And we've also invested in um, an enhanced social technology stack to enable knowledge sharing and collaboration worldwide. So we are creating global content from a high level while also enabling the regions or um, countries uh, to 
create more of a hyper-local content strategy and activation. And beyond that, what we're, we're focused on is um, we've got content pillars and themes created, and then we do something called moment mapping. Um, but it all, it all comes back to the framework and architecture of how do we want to position our, our brand and company. And as you guys are well aware, social is not um, free anymore. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, as, we're, as we're getting smarter about driving media efficiencies and um, you know, really focused on centralizing media buying, we know that we have to work together as a global company. And we're, we're really focused on driving that breadth and depth of 3M product instead of focusing on specific businesses or business products uh, within siloed channels. So it's really an intentional move to expose people to the breadth and depth of 3M and our entire product portfolio versus um, you know, defining specific channels for specific products. This this global media buying you mentioned, sort of the paid social component, is that done by uh, sort of social digital practitioners or by what you would consider to be a media buyer, sort of an old old school, not to be, I'm not disparaging them, but but somebody who has, or a team that, that sort of has a media background? You know, what it's actually ended up being is it's social media people that have have ultimately ended up buying media. But what we're doing is we're actually buying it direct from the networks. Mm -hmm. And I do think that's helping us um, do more with less. It's also uh, helping us get savvier with what content we publish and, and where do we publish it, right? So, so we're, we're customizing content, but we're also um, gaining additional resources. We've built a team um, from the ground up. It was, we had two people initially, and... Now we're up to 15 people. We're also getting um, additional resources, even from the social networks. We've had um, content strategists uh, be assigned to our accounts from a couple of the social networks to help us, um, you know, with from a performance standpoint and understanding what we're going to hit the ground running with from a content standpoint. It's nice to have those resources that they actually want to help you. Uh, that's that's pretty spectacular. We are totally blessed, yes. And I think, you know, the other thing that's that's happened over the course of the last year and a half is we've built great relationships with some of these media partners. And the relationships, you know, as as the relationships have grown, the, the media performance has also um, performed better and better over time. I'm glad you mentioned the moment mapping. That's one of the things I wanted to ask you about. I think it's really interesting how you sort of use that as a strategic framework for all the things that you create in social. Can you talk about that just a little bit? Sure. Um, so what we have done essentially is we've we've wanted to really get smarter at proactive content planning. And so we look at the entire conversation at, from a volume standpoint, and then we map it with 3M relevance, right? So there might be something very big like a CES or a South by Southwest. And we look at, you know, what is the relevance um, that moment has with 3M and 3M's business? Um, there's also things like the Grammys um, that we'll look at and we'll say, okay, it probably makes sense to insert ourselves. But what we do um, based on that relevance and score for each of these moments, we, we determine... Um, what, what tier the content falls into. So we have uh, 
multiple different tiers and that determines how much we invest in the content. It also uh, determines how much paid media or not paid media we put behind specific content. And so we're, we're essentially um, proactively looking at how do we get more mileage out of the content ongoing uh, by being incredibly data-driven with the way we publish and, and what we select to publish. And Amy, it sounds like you're actually making those types of decisions based on the individual piece of content, whether or not you're going to put paid you know, budget behind it or not. Did I, did I mis misread you, or is that, is that the case? Yeah, no, that's, it's exactly right. We're looking at it very, very granularly. And, um, you know, some, some content may get, you know, uh, we may fuel across multiple channels while, while other pieces of content is, is a much lighter investment. And what type of kind of, if, if, if this were the early warning radar, as you looked at that content out there and you're about to uh, assign budget to some content or another, what are those triggers? What are those gut checks? What are those radar, you know, um, reflections that, that lead you to go, hmm, I think, I think we've got something here that, that's going to resonate with a larger audience if we can only put a little paid dollars behind it? Yeah, I think we, we tend to hit things on the rise. So if we're able to publish right when the conversation is starting to emerge, that's one thing that has we've seen really, really fruitful results with uh, historically. And, you know, the other thing with that is um, just understanding the customer, looking at um, how many other brands are a part of that conversation. Is it going to be a noisy space or is there a lot of volume, a lot of relevance, and not a whole lot of competition? So some of these events, we say, you know, hundreds of brands take, take action, you know, in these moments. So do we want to go big there or do we want to go light knowing that it's a much more competitive space? So we, we map things out and we try to understand past uh, conversations and opportunities um, based on historic data. So we're able to be smarter with uh, what, we, what we amplify. I love the story you tell of how you're really beginning to look at the, the larger kind of 3M customer and, and not, not as much, you know, specifically towards, you know, individual brands, individual SKUs, individual products. Mm -hmm. My question is whether that is something that you're, you're doing just in the kind of the social and digital space or is that a philosophy that 3M marketing and communications overall is, uh, is, is approaching? That's great. I'm glad you asked. Um, we are actually approaching it completely across the entire journey. So we're in in process of defining our um, journey maps, and you know breaking that down um, by our business and understanding our um, key touch points across the journey. So it is. It's much bigger. It's the entire uh, customer experience and figuring out you know what role social plays throughout that journey and customizing the content so we're able to, um, you know, basically dive into a more of a precision marketing territory for the company. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's truly getting us to the, the whole adage of reach, reaching the right person at the right time with the right message in the right channel. But, you know, the, the idea that, gosh, the, the message I may see is someone who loves to work on vintage cars. And I know you, you've got a lot of auto, you know, uh, repair products and likes post-it notes, but probably not as interested in the, uh, in the healthcare line. I may see a very different message than, than the next person who, who visits your, your page or sees the content in their, uh, in their stream on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. 
one of the things that you mentioned uh, to Jay just a few minutes ago was kind of the Wild West of as you as you look and try to bring in um, a lot of different groups as you as you approach this kind of consistent messaging across the three and platform and and I oftentimes use acronyms to to remember things and my Wild West acronym is Blab and it stands for four things four four battles that I think we all have with brands uh, legal assets and budgets, especially for, for paid. So as you begin to work with, with all the different brands that, that live within 3M, as you work with the legal department, as you work with the paid media organizations, how are you reconciling this? I know a lot of the people who are, who are listening to the podcast are in similar situations, probably not with as many brands as 3M or as diverse as, as 3M. But what advice can you give people who are trying to, to wrestle with that and trying to make friends and frenemies and and trying to reconcile all of these 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 challenges. Yeah, that's a great question. It's it's a lot. There's a lot of change management involved, and you know, I I described our consumer business as that 20% earlier. That is more of a um, house of brands, and the rest of our company is more of a branded house. So we we're dealing with kind of a complex structure in general. Uh, we call it we call it our uh, blended house, and um, that being said, a lot of it comes down to the data. What we do is we've got a always-on media strategy in place. We've got an always-on um, content strategy in place. We have um, grown a team that um, is able to resource this space appropriately. We've also hired a social media agency of record. And so what we've really done is focused on best practices and driving scale. Um, that being said, a lot of the teams that historically were focused somewhat on social were not full-time um, headcount. They were, you know, doing multiple um, different responsibilities where social maybe was 25 to 50 percent of their role. Um, so we see that, you know, a lot of people that were looking to, um, you know, manage a community back in the early days, they just don't receive the amount of reach that they once did with, um, you know, from an organic standpoint, we're just seeing that dwindle altogether. And so if you don't have the budget and you don't have the content strategy and maybe you didn't realize how 24-7 the space would be, um, what we're able to do is have a conversation and um, publish some content and socialize those results with you and work through the process where we're able to actually um, drive significant scale. Um, we're, we're doing something um, over the past probably year or so that is, is somewhat new, but we're, we're doing more and more dark posting, um, working with a variety of different business groups and then targeting their content to their specific audience. And that's picking up a lot of traction across the company. Um, the The challenge with that is dark posting sounds scary, <laughs> and it yeah. sounds complicated, right? Bad branding, yeah. And, um, and the reality is, is majority of big global brands are actually um, activating that way these days. But what we're doing is we're um, intentionally publishing a diversity of content um, with with the research that we have. You know, really illustrating uh, breadth and depth and you know there's there's a lot of change management too associated with social media in general but 
I think also um, during a time where we're moving from a very, very decentralized model to a centralized model. So it's it's a lot. It's a lot of change. Um, you know, the from my experience, everyone is is really excited and, and just wants guidance. They want to make sure that they're doing the right thing in social. And so taking that time to kind of slow down and partner and really educate the key stakeholders across the enterprise is is one of those things that um, you just have to make time for in order to be um, successful in the long run. And so that's something that we've done a lot of is is really partnering with the key folks that want to understand this and want to do the right thing, but are just far less familiar with um, the ins and outs of the social networks and you know the entire ecosystem within social. So it's kind of a slow down to go faster approach. Amy, I, I totally agree, and I think it's a uh, kind of an unspoken part of so many of our uh, our jobs and our careers as as being social media pros is is that educational piece of recognizing that the the world is changing and that we are kind of on the leading edge of this um, and have to continue to be that if we're going to be be relevant. But having to educate and inform others, be it executives, be it more traditional marketers and, and communicators. Uh, before I, I hand it off to uh, to Jay for our very important advertisements, as as my old college professor would say, instead of advertisements, I have to ask you a question, Amy. It's a it's a question that has been plaguing me for years, and it's the story of the Post-it note. Amy Lamparski, head of global social media for 3M. Is the story about the idea that the person who created the Post-it note, you know, actually created a product that was kind of supposed to be the super adhesive and failed true? Uh, yes. So there's more to the story. The the um, the the part of the story that you want to hear is that we had a scientist named Art Fry that actually repurposed um, the adhesive and he was using it actually in church um, to to mark his hymn notes and and so um, he wanted to write a note and and keep it on the page and so he experimented and um, you know eventually came up with a post-it note and the rest is is history um, but it's a, a one of our, our obviously our, our most popular uh, products and um, it's also such a piece of work. It's it's um, a product that also is so social by design because so much of the brainstorming that we do at 3M, we we leverage Post-it notes um, to to drive collaboration and come up with with new ideas. So it's it's um, really embedded into the culture of the product. What a great story, and, and, and what a great a great product. And I think that just really speaks to the whole innovation idea of what 3M is is truly all about. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Well, now we're going to like do some commercials for people who are you know just as inspirational. Way to set it up, Adam, so that everybody feels like they don't have the same kind of amazing 3M. <laughs> we're going to do the best we can, uh, starting with Salesforce Marketing Cloud, who actually do employ Adam Brown. So that's an inspiration in and of that, itself. That's, that's okay. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So uh, one of the things I learned about, uh, well, I knew about it, but really kind of sunk home with me when I was with Adam last week at uh, Connections Conference was just how awesome the Salesforce advertising studio is so advertising studio is a piece of marketing cloud that allows you to reach customers on any device and any channel 
with advertising powered by Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and now uh, Google Display Network, Google Ads. So let me summarize this for all you big brand social media folks out there like Amy. Using advertising studio you can centralize all of your ad buys in one platform you can cross pollinate uh, targeted audiences custom audiences you can tie your email activity into custom audiences and vice versa it is pretty fantastic so folks take a look at it do the demo uh, look, I'm familiar with every software package out there. It's kind of what I do. And this is a better mousetrap. Go to bit.ly slash advertising studio, bit.ly slash advertising studio. Check it out. You're going to be amazed. Also this week, the Big Social Pros podcast brought to you by our friends at Emma, uh, which we used to send our email. Uh, look, we all have calls to action in our job description at some level. But what actually gets people to click inside a social media post, inside an email, et cetera? You know, what color should that submit button be? What should the submit button say? One thing I can tell you it shouldn't say is submit. Uh, that is not the best language for the button. Uh, so Emma put that to the test. They created a whole free ebook called The Simple Psychology Behind a Great Call to Action. Answers a lot of these questions. Um, if you go to myemma.com slash click, myemma, E-M-M-A, myemma.com slash click, you can download that. You're going to love it. The Simple Psychology Behind a Great Call to Action. Last but certainly not least this week, our friends at Yaks to dominate uh, the mobile local uh, marketing business. So if you have uh, a, a a circumstance, I'm sure this happens, like it's happened to me just actually recently, I was on the road and, you know, you, you go to um, something online, you find it in a Google search or Yelp or something like that. And then you find out they're closed, like, oh, this business seemed awesome. Uh, but now they're no longer in business. So that is decidedly less awesome, very frustrating for customers. So 95% of people have found incorrect information online, which is a huge detriment to your business. So you can make that go away. So what Yext does is they power your listings across maps, apps, search engines, directories, social networks, everything. So it's all the same. So let's say you're going to be open an extra hour uh, every other Saturday for a special deal. Well, how do you get that information into all these places? Yext helps you do that in one place in their rich listings directory. Go to offers.yext.com slash social pros. That's offers dot yext y-e-x-t dot com slash social pros uh for a very special offer from our friends at yext you are gonna love it adam back to you amy lamparski thank you jay amy great to have you on uh, the show today and i tell you reading your uh, linkedin profile is like a who's who of the best companies in the world um, you've had stints at, at General Mills, at Walmart Labs, at some amazing companies before you know joining as uh, as head of global social media there at at 3M. One of the things I noticed uh, is you like like me spent a lot of time on the communications side of the world. And my question for you is, what do you think having a communications background did to to assist you with with, with social? I mean, do, do you find yourself a better storyteller? Do you understand kind of the nuances of third-party endorsements? You know, that's kind of the, the the bread and butter, if you will, of traditional public relations. Um, kind of, I want to kind of ask you what the what the pros are of that, and then we'll we'll kind of come back and talk a little bit about the marketing side. Sure. Yeah. No. I. Um. You know, just to be clear, I definitely consider myself a marketer, but I have been um, a part of communications teams, and it's interesting that you you notice that. It's um it's something that I I've always been a writer um but I think you when you've got that experience working with very high profile brands 
and um, some of the best writers um, in the world, you you end up being very very picky, um, you know, about content, and uh, you start to get savvier and more detailed. And one thing that I would say, it's it was really helpful for me um, was when when I was in um, Bentonville, Arkansas, working with Walmart. And, um, you know, you really have to think through every angle of how content could be perceived or, you know, inaccurately perceived or negatively spun or positively spun. And um, in thinking through, you know, what's this going to lead to on the front end? And that has helped me immensely throughout my entire career. Um, content plays a huge role, and, and it all starts with communications. So the other thing with that is it has really also helped me understand more of a traditional media relations and uh, PR mindset, which, you know, nowadays we're seeing more and more social media driving or media coverage ongoing. And with that, um, you know, it, it's a very, very healthy relationship to partner across um, communications teams and you get more mileage from social, right, when you're able to do that, when you understand and appreciate each other's roles and worlds. And so I think, you know, it's, it's been an area that I, um, I truly respect and, and uh, really value the discipline. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'll say that I'm definitely more of a marketer. Um, but, you know, certainly appreciate quality content and, um, uh, you know, folks that have... Uh, that are well versed with writing skills. Making that point about how uh, you know, as a as more of a communications practitioner, you you, you kind of hone the skills of of kind of looking in maybe two or three steps ahead because you know so much on the more on the communication side, you you don't have as much control over the message. You don't have as much control over you know where this this message is going to go and how it's going to be resurfaced and, and repurposed while it's on the on the on the paid or marketing side you have a little bit more control over it because you're you're putting you're putting dollars uh, behind it so i think that's just a really keen insight and an observation so on that flip side of of of, of being as you said a, a marketer and a and a very much a marketing organization you know, what are the, the aspects of social media that you think really really apply there? Do do social media marketers you know kind of get the importance of repetition, the importance of, of being targeted and being very surgical with those those media buys? And is there something that you try to kind of enforce and educate in your teams as they look at the campaigns and programs that they're running for the for the hundreds of brands underneath the 3M umbrella? Yeah, I I would say you know. Um I'm a big believer in always-on media, and you know what we're able to see when when we keep that turned on is kind of this continual, steady increase in volume, right? And so we're um, building momentum over time with a longer-term strategy versus a campaign approach to this space. And the other thing I would say is that. Um, when we invest in paid media across multiple channels at the same time, we're seeing significant uh, media efficiencies and sort of a halo effect across each of them, similar to when you buy a variety of different ad units or two or more ad units on the same network working together, right? So they, they um, both are performing stronger 
because you're investing in the ecosystem versus just a tactical approach. And, um, you know, I, I think in general, I stress the data side of social uh, to the majority of my team. I think that's it's foundational. And, um, you know, where, where we want to go is uh, really stretching and, and sort of making the most of, of our, our budget. But I think the other thing is um, a lot of this stuff can be, you know, brought down to a science. You know, what is the cadence? What is the time of day? What is the day of the week that we want to publish specific content? Uh, what is trending, right? And following all of those real-time conversations to insert the brand in a, a much more thoughtful, relevant way ongoing. Uh, and so I just say I, I stress the data constantly and how do we learn and, and keep pushing ourselves. I, I view a lot of digital as an, a very iterative process. And so the more we can learn from AB and multivariate testing and continue learning and refining as we go, I think is the key to continual improvement, but also um, getting smarter about how do we want to activate or not activate. And um, there's so much that, you know, this space requires from a continual learning standpoint. So you have to be really hungry um, to, to keep reading and keep learning ongoing. I love the fact that, that you are trying to bake science into all your social decisions. But ultimately, that science has to be married with story. And you have so many stories. And we just talked about the, the post-it note story a little bit ago. But, but so many, I mean, on a daily basis, you have amazing things happening inside the organization. So how, how are those stories surfaced? Do, do you and your team go out and sort of play uh, detective and, and find cool stuff inside 3M to go talk about in social? Or does it go the other way and, and operating units and divisions say, hey, Amy and co, here's something cool that you should put on Facebook. How does that work? Is it, is it story finding or story curation? Yeah, it's a great question. So the history was we, we were kind of more um, curators, right? And we, over time, um, I call it leading by example, but what we've done is we've just rocked social. And where now the teams are starting to come to us, and it, it's a good problem to have. It's the usual problem if you have a centralized team where you've got so many people requesting to publish certain things that ultimately you have to look at it and say, what's what's best for my business at this moment, right? Um, how much can we publish realistically um, in a particular day uh, without seeing attrition and without turning people off, right? So it is down to a science, but it's also, um, you know, what we've done essentially is created demand um, for our team. Um, and now what's happening is is more of the content gatekeeping side of, of um, you know, making sure that there's consistency and certain levels of um, quality shareable content that we're creating ongoing. Um, when you start getting content uh, flowing in from multiple different directions, it's, it's much harder to have that cohesive um, uh, sort of look and feel uh, ongoing. And we also have a variety of different teams that we partner with. There's a couple areas that um, actually create uh, content that are in longer format web pieces of content. And we've got an agency of record creating content. We 
also have a team internally that creates content and so we've got enough sources now where we actually we've somewhat of a content engine and um, you know and but the the actual flow of what we publish and and when we publish it it's it's down to the the data but also um, ensuring that it aligns with the content pillars and themes as well as uh, I call it the what the internet cares about um, <laughs> And and um, you know we really want to be strategic, not just publishing random stuff. And and so it's um, it's something that we're growing as a team over time and um, getting smarter. I'm going to ask you the two big questions that we've asked all 217, if I have my numbers correct, uh, guests on the big. I think that's right on the big Social Pros uh, podcast. Uh, Amy, first question is: What one tip would you give somebody looking to become a social pro? Um, I, I would say this space is all about consistency, you know, show up every day consistently and you have to be persistent. You have to be patient, but, um, it's a game of, of consistency is what it comes down to. Um, I mentioned earlier, you know, you really do have to be a lifelong learner. You have to want to embrace change. Um, I call it the gray space. If you're, if you're really building something from the ground up, um, you know, you can't be someone that sees the world black and white. You really have to kind of be comfortable in that gray territory. And um, I think the other thing is just being good with people because it is a horizontal function that spans across the enterprise. And, you know, a lot of people that are really into social well, in a media. a company like yours, you got a lot of different types of folks, right? You've got a lot <laughs> of different kind of job functions and people and backgrounds in a company like 3M. You got it. Yes. And so you have to be good with, you know, I call it the, we've got three different generations in the workplace right now. And, um, and so you have to be really good relationships wise, um, because that establishes trust and then you're able to get so much further faster if you've got trust established. That's so it's very wise. Yeah, that is very, very wise. We, we should we should do a whole show on just trust in the workplace. Yeah. How, how do you get these social people to be trusted by the engineers? That You got to do an online course about that, Amy, and sell it for millions of dollars. Okay, sign <laughs> we'll, me up. We'll follow up with that. <laughs> uh, last question, uh, Amy, is if you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be? Oh, wow. Um my gosh, you know what comes to mind is I just saw that, you know, the world's oldest person died. And, you know, it kind of, to me, I would love to talk to some of the most wisest people, longest living people um, in the world. And, you know, the kind of people that live well over 110 years old. So I don't have a specific name, but um, <laughs> I think someone that has got a lot of history that's seen a lot in their lifetime and um, has a unique perspective um, watching all the change. And, you know, I recently heard that the last two years of marketing have changed more than the last, you know, previous 50. And so I think talking to people that have been through that and how they've been able to be nimble and uh, adapt to change throughout their life um, are pretty fascinating people. Well, we'll look it up. We'll have our, our crack production staff look up who is the current oldest person alive. And that will be your answer. We will cite that. We will cite that in the blog post. And we will, we will actually uh, link to that person's. Uh, they probably don't have a Twitter account if they're 116. But maybe that would be. You never know. That right? would be incredibly hip. Uh, so these are the fastest growing you know, segment on. At, at all well, time. 
Yeah, maybe we could go with the the world's oldest tweeter, right? Yes. We could go I don't know how you find that out, but that's an interesting idea. We have to look that up somewhere. It was interesting, you, know, you think about somebody who's been around 116 years, what have you, and the, and the change that they have seen, Amy, you totally pointed that out. What's remarkable, though, is a lot of that change has been powered in full or in part by the work that 3M has done. And so for a company like that, 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 that historical swath of innovation, uh, it, I think, is even more resonant because you were a part of it and continue to be so. Well, absolutely. Which I think is Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for dialing in from Poland. Uh, this is a, a special uh, transcontinental episode of Social Pros. Uh, Adam is home. I am home. But we decided to bring in Amy, uh, who's on the road doing awesome, cool global social media things in Poland. So thanks for, uh, for making that happen. My pleasure, you guys. Thank you for having me. Next week on the show, uh, we have another fantastic social pro. Actually, we've got a bunch of great shows coming up. Um, in fact, one show we have coming up relatively soon is uh, Carrie Embry, who's um, the head of social media for Green Flash Brewing Company, which is my second favorite brewery uh, in the United States. We're going to talk all about, uh, you know, look, Amy's got the Scotch Tape business cornered, but but Carrie's got the uh, high strength IPA business cornered, and that's pretty sexy too. So we're going to talk <laughs> about how that works. Uh, in social media as well. Adam will be on the mic uh, as always as well. Thanks to everybody for listening to Social Pros. We love each and every one of you. Uh, really appreciate the support at the big live show last week at Connections as well. Um, and also coming up, which I think is probably almost our next two episodes from now, is uh, I'll do another live show with Scott Harrison, who's the founder of Charity Water Live in his offices in New York City. So fired up for that too. So uh, for Adam, for myself, thanks very much uh, to everybody. This has been Social Pros. Thanks for tuning in to Social Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Emma, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and by Yext, and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Social Pros at marketingpodcasts.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by audiobag.com.